I started having panic attacks, flashbacks. I suffered from anxiety, depression. I had all these overwhelming fears that would come up and immobilize me. Like I was afraid of everything. And that's when I hit rock bottom again. (laughs) And this time um, it was so bad that I decided to make an appointment with a Christian counselor. And I was 38 years old when I shared my story for the first time. 38 years old? 38 years old. I held the secrets in for that long and sat with her and told her all about it over a lot of appointments. Um, And breaking the silence was the beginning of Mm. my journey with God, really. Hi, welcome to Treasures and Truth. It's exciting to have you here. I am your host, Dr. Tokwe Kiku. Everyone wants to feel happy, but it's so easy to lose hope and feel defeated in a chaotic world that is so full of problems. This podcast is all about helping you discover the hidden treasures in your trials so you can renew your confidence and live in freedom. So whether if whether you're in a difficult season right now and you need encouragement, you will find hope here. So welcome again. On the show with me today is a trauma-informed coach. She's a writer, a speaker, and a women's ministry leader. Her passion is to inspire female survivors of sexual abuse to find courage, hope, and freedom from their past. Uh, She has a a master's degree in pastoral counseling uh, in the area of crisis response and trauma, and she's also a Christian life coach. She's married to her sweetheart of 23 years, and she's a wife, a mother of three children, and she has a beagle named Maisie Jane. So welcome, welcome, uh, Michelle Viscus to the show. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome. It's good to have you. So, Michelle, uh, share a little known fact about you. A little known fact about me. Um, There's probably quite a few, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I think the, the biggest thing would be that while this is my passion and it just makes my heart beat, it is not what I set out to do. I had a whole different life planned. I had a whole different path planned and God has completely like disrupted that path and put me on this journey. And so while it makes my heart beat and I really get passionate about it, Mm -hmm. it wasn't what I intended to do and talk about and be about, but, but I trust his path and that's where he has me. So. Thank you for sharing your uh, little known fact about you that you had a totally different idea, uh, but God's got you on your path. And so this is a good place to segue into asking you to tell us a little bit about your God story. Well, the big God story for me is the journey that he's had me on to heal from childhood sexual abuse. While I grew up in church, 
I went to Christian camps every summer. Um, even though I was involved and I learned about God, I was in GAs and all these things, I still hid secrets. I had so much going on behind closed doors that no one knew about throughout my childhood. And I was afraid to tell anybody. And so I just stayed silent. And I learned very young to put on a mask, to smile big, mm-hmm. and to pretend like everything was okay. I even learned to wear that same mask with God. And I put aside what was happening and sealed off that part of me and just compartmentalized it and tried to have a relationship with God. I tried to be good and obey and do everything he was asking me to do, but it wasn't easy for me because I was filled with so much shame and I had to numb that pain and I used whatever I could find to numb that pain. I used food, drugs, alcohol, whatever it was. And a lot of that led to me making bad decisions. And at some point I realized maybe God's okay with the abuse. Maybe this is what God made me for. So somewhere in that, maybe it was in the numbing and in the shame, that lie got embedded inside of me. And I just assumed since it was happening, he must be okay with it. So I had the shame from the abuse, but then I had the layers of shame for my own decisions. And as anyone who's been on a path of numbing and making bad decisions knows, at some point you hit rock bottom. Yeah. And I did that in my 20s. It was early 20s. I hit rock bottom and thankfully God met me there. And I, at that time, I was about to get married. We had a church that we were going to. We were very active in church, but I was still wearing that mask and I was smiling big and pretending like everything was okay. And I was cleaning up as much as I could on the outside. And thankfully, there was a couple in the church who poured into us and invested in our story and came alongside us. And the wife, she helped me work through a lot of those lies and shame about my experiences and about my bad choices. I didn't get into the abuse with her, but she did help me get through that. So Michelle, you, you share, you share, as you're sharing your story, um, you, you mentioned the word mask a couple of times. And so for someone who's going through a similar experience, can you tell our listeners a little bit, what does that mask look like? The mask looks like you are so ashamed and embarrassed to admit the pain that you've been through. So you want people to think that you're okay and that you have it together. You know what you're doing. You're happy. Life is good. Eventually, it's tiring to wear that mask. Um, it, it became so common for me to do it. And, and then suddenly, I couldn't do it anymore. It was, I, I cried when I didn't want to cry. Um, and I broke down when I didn't want to break down. I couldn't hold that mask on anymore. But it's basically pretending that you have it together when, in fact, things are falling apart. Oh, yeah. Thank you for, thank you for describing that. So it's, it's, it's 
the shame coupled with everything else. So the shame of what happened and the shame of your response to what happened together um, now says what? As a person, I don't think I'm worth it. And right. I don't, but I don't want anyone to know that. So I'm going to pretend I'm going to put this mask. So similar to similar to the mask that people put on in Halloween, you under the mask, you really don't the real person's hiding behind that mask. And so right. the real you was hiding behind this mask of shame. Um and and um for a very long time. Right. And and the thing that really brought it to my awareness was that I had a friend at church say something to me about how some of the women would joke about my husband and I being Mr. and Mrs. Perfect. And in that moment, I was like, you have no idea how imperfect I am in particular. Like it was just a stark reality, what I was projecting versus what I was experiencing inside. Mm -hmm, mm So the outside doesn't quite match what's going on inside. So tell us a little bit more what that inside looked like. Well, with the shame, not only from, you know, my experiences, I mentioned the lady at church that helped me work through it, but I still hadn't dealt with the abuse. I hadn't dealt with the hard stuff. And so after having children, especially my daughter, um, it really was hard for me to wear the mask and pretend that all was well. I started having panic attacks, flashbacks. I suffered from anxiety, depression. I had all these overwhelming fears that would come up and immobilize me. Like I was afraid of everything. And that's when I hit rock bottom again. (laughs) And this time um, it was so bad that I decided to make an appointment with a Christian counselor. And I was 38 years old when I shared my story for the first time. 38 years old? 38 years old. I held the secrets in for that long and sat with her and told her all about it over a lot of appointments. Um, And breaking the silence was the beginning of my journey with God, really. And one by one, he started to replace all of those lies with truth. Two of the um, big ones, you know, I mentioned, I thought that God had created me for abuse. And I also thought that he must be okay with it. Those were two deeply embedded lies. And they were some of the first ones that we worked on. So, um, One treasure that I discovered was realizing he didn't make me for abuse. He created me as a masterpiece. Yes. Work of art. So a big truth was Ephesians Mm 2.10. For me, it says we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. There's nothing in there that would reflect abuse. Right? God's never okay with abuse. No. God is not okay with abuse. That is a lie. That is a big pit lie. of hell. <laughs> That's That's a, a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. And and the treasure that uncovered that life for me mm-hmm. was um, in Matthew 18, 6, where it says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me to stumble, 
It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I remember when when she read that verse to me, she said, Michelle, have you ever heard about the millstone? And I was like, no. And she read that verse to me and I was like, he is not okay with what happened to me. It's changed everything. Um, another favorite treasure during that time was this verse. And it wasn't that it had happened for me. It was the promise that it could happen for me. I wasn't there yet, but it was Psalm 40, mm-hmm. one through three. And all of the Psalms were huge treasures, but this one was the beginning of my journey. It made a really big impact on me. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out Mm. of the mud and mire. Mm. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Mm. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. When I first heard that verse, I was still covered, covered in shame. And that slimy pit full of mud and mire, Mm -hmm. that's what that shame feels like. But Mm -hmm. he can take that shame away. And and I believed, and little by little, he did. Step by step, he did. Wow, that is profound. That is some profound truth. So this Christian counselor helped you to, with God's truth, dispel those lies. So one, so from what I can understand from what you just shared is you had these lies and you had this shame that you had to wear a master color, but then that encountering this Christian counselor allowed you to bring to the light these lies that you've been believing. God's okay with abuse. No, God's not okay with abuse. He's not okay with it. And then she was able to, through scripture, lead you to who God says you are, a masterpiece created in his own image, loved, dearly loved and chosen daughter of the king. And then uh, you found she also led you to that passage in Matthew that we are not to cause the little ones to stumble. And I love the word picture that you paint out of uh, Psalm 40, covered in slime, Mud in the mm. pit in the mire in the muck. Yes, and little by little, God comes and washes and wipes those away. And you know, wow! Thank you for sharing that. So, if you, as a listener, if you're listening to us, um, there is hope. That's what Michelle just shared. If you believe in lies, there is help. Get out there and get help. So, Michelle, um. Thank you for sharing that uh, that profound story. After nearly 40 years, you said you kept this secret for 38 years. I cannot even imagine someone keeping a secret for that long. Uh, what made you finally come out and break your silence? What made you determine that I've had enough? Enough is enough. I'm done. It was Jesus. Just just like I said at the beginning, like I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to drop that atomic bomb on anybody. I didn't want I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want anyone to know it. 
Um, but he literally walked me through every step and it started with the counselor. Mm-hmm. So I went to her, but when I, even when I went to her, I was like, listen, I want to get well. I want to get well quickly. And I don't want anyone to ever know why I'm here. And you have to promise me that everything I say is going to be confidential. And we're just going to keep it in this room. And how long is this going to take? Because I had a plan and I was in a hurry. <laughs> as you know. And she was like, that's not how this works. It's going to take time. Um, yeah. And and we're, we're going to work through it. I'm going to be here for you. Um, but eventually probably within five sessions, she had me understanding that with my husband, I wasn't completely one with him because I had this whole lie side of me that he knew nothing about. And she's like, you're not completely one with him. You have this huge secret from him. He needs to know it's a big part of your marriage. It affects your marriage and he needs to be brought into the light. You're hiding that from him. So And again, I was like, well, you know, that's not why I'm here. I don't want to tell my husband, but God gave me a dream that convinced me to tell my husband. And so eventually I told my husband and, and little by little, he made ways for me to share with people. And eventually he completely set it up for me to confront my abuser in person, face to face with my husband. He was with me every step of the way. And he gave me that courage and hope to keep taking the next step towards freedom in him. It wasn't me. I was a fraidy cat. I was so, so scared, but he was there with me. God gave you the the freedom uh, to be able to take the next step and the next step. I'm curious, um, since you kept this secret for so long and you didn't, even your husband did not know, how did that impact your marriage? Because for a woman who finds herself in this place and having a similar scenario where they're keeping a secret and they're not sharing, they're not sharing a part of the a, a part of themselves. How did that affect your marriage? That could be a whole podcast series. <laughs> I'm serious. There's so much I could say towards that. But let me just give you a few examples, because I think once he was brought into the light, you could see it across his face. Oh, now I understand. Now I understand why she's this way. So it's all the paranoia. It's all the like the kids want to go do something. And I'm like, you can't let them go. We Instead of leaving them with someone and us going on a trip, let's just bring them with us. Because I always wanted to watch my kids and have my eyes on my kids, even if other people were around in our home. I helicopter mommed them and I was always afraid that something was going to happen. And he was like, they want to go ride their bike. And I'm like, you can't let them ride their bike. Something could happen to them if they, we need to go with them if they're going to ride their bike. So there was that, there was the parenting paranoia. Mm -hmm. And then there were things like the radio, for example, this one was huge. He wanted to listen to music from the seventies and the eighties when I grew up, every time I heard those songs, I thought about what was happening to me when I grew up. And so, and that was his music and I would want to turn it off or close my ears or, and he's like, can't you just, I listen to your music. Why can't you listen to my music? But it was painful for me to listen to that music, but I couldn't explain that to him. And that that's just another example. And then of course, intimacy, whether it's, um, I want the door closed. I want the light off. I, you know, I'm not fully engaged. There's just things that make intimacy extremely difficult when you're a survivor, especially if he has no idea that you are struggling 
in that moment, in those things, you know, that makes it incredibly hard, but I'm sure there's more, but those were probably my top three. Wow. Thank, thanks for sharing that. So, so um, someone finds themselves in this situation and they're holding out. Michelle just gave you some tips. <laughs> and, and, and one of the things I would say, especially with your husband, I was so afraid to tell him and I was so afraid that he would reject me and that oh, he would leave me. Is the rejection part. What if he leaves me? What if he, what if he doesn't love me anymore? What if he thinks differently of me? And I mean, that was a huge fear and a very real fear, I think, for most women. And so when I told him, my counselor actually invited us into the office and she spoke with him at the beginning. And I think this is so important and so helpful. Survivors need safety. They need a safe place to say, this is what happened. And if you just go up to someone randomly like your husband and say, here's what happened, and he's not prepared for that conversation, you can still do it that way, but it may be very painful for you on how he responds or how he acts or reacts. But with her, she set it up to where before I said anything, she explained to him what she's about to tell you is the hardest thing she's ever said in her life to you. It's going to be really hard for her. Give her time. Be patient with her. I know you're going to have questions, um, but right now might not be the time to ask those questions. Just listen. Just listen to her. This is really, really hard for her. And it set the tone for him to not immediately react because people will, you know, it's it's only normal to react to such news. And so, um, but she was there with us to buffer. And, and I think that helped tremendously. I don't, I don't know he would have responded differently without that, but I do think that that brought me a lot of peace and safety and it helped me to get the words out. And so once the word was out, once once your husband knew, um, how did that impact your relationship going forward? It was night and day. I'm telling you, when we walked out of the counselor's office that day, the sun was so bright. I can feel it on my face right now. It was so bright. And I just felt like we were in bright light. Like there was a gulf of darkness that I didn't even recognize between us. And now there was bright light. We were holding hands and and he looked at me and he was like, we're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And that's all I needed to hear. Was it hard? Absolutely. Did we have struggles? Absolutely. Did he say things that hurt my feelings unintentionally? Yes. But I, and also there were times where I felt like I could say anything to him. So I would, something would come up and instead of me sitting there holding it, I would tell him everything. And I know that was hard on him too, but now there's nothing that I hide. Like I'm, I, I don't hide that from him anymore and I don't have to. And it's very freeing. And now he understands. And now I can listen to his music. It doesn't even bother me anymore, hmm. which is beautiful. So. so coming out into the light, telling your story in a place that is safe um, and uh, is very helpful. And and sharing it with your husband, someone that you know you you share your life with, sharing your whole self and not just a part of yourself. Um, and I I'm I'm glad to hear that you uh, you shared how it freed you to now be able to listen, to be able to share the same 
things with him and and that you feel light yes because you unburden this so right. thankful so thankful to hear that um wow so i think you already touched on this but just to maybe recap a little bit what has helped you to heal the most and grow your relationship with god the bible helped a lot because it helped replace so many of the lies it helped me find out more about who God truly is and my identity in Christ. Um, Using the Bible app was helpful because it helped me stay accountable and it gave me plans that I could work through if I was struggling with anxiety or if I was struggling with um, depression or whatever the case may be. They have all these plans that you can use. So that was just a great resource. Um, Fear, boundaries, they have all kinds of topics that you can work through and you can do it with friends and do it together with others. And so. That helped me learn how to make the Bible come alive. It just came alive. And I could read the stories and apply it to my situation, find myself in the story. Um, So I drew closer to God there. And then also in safe community. Like I mentioned before, survivors need safety and compassion. Two big things, safety and compassion. Safety and compassion. So survivors need safety and compassion. Yes. And we we had that in the Sunday school class that you led back then. And I, I originally, I know you know this, when I came, I didn't say anything. I just sat there and listened. Um, but eventually I started to speak up or share. And I learned that I didn't have to hide my pain or my past. Little by little, I was able to say more and be accepted in that group. And having a circle of acceptance, having a circle of Um, safety and compassion, it really makes a difference for survivors. And it helps them, especially in a circle that's drawing them close to God. So important. Yeah. Yeah. So so what I hear you saying is that we can't go on this journey alone. We need others to support us. You mentioned a couple that helped you at the beginning. You mentioned this Christian counselor. You've mentioned the Bible app. Uh, with the resources there and also belonging to a small group at church, a small community that that's um, safe where they allow you to be safe and you can share and, and uh, be encouraged. So yeah. those are all, those are all very great uh, tips that you've shared with our, our listeners. Um, so Michelle, wow. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my mind, mind around keeping a secret for 38 years. That's a long time, but I am so glad to see you on the other side of this, that you're fully aware, fully aware, healed, knowing who you are in Christ and that you are now in the light and no longer have to wear that mask. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that, that is so encouraging. So, Michelle, if there's a listener who's struggling with secrets of sexual abuse from their past, what would you want them to know? What would you want them to do? I would want them to know that I see them and I believe them. They are seen and believed. Mm. It's not their fault. It was never their fault. Jesus loves them. And he loves them deeply. 
And why is it important for them to know that? Because they, as survivors, you feel very alone. You don't feel like people see you because they didn't see your pain. They didn't see what happened to you. So you feel unseen. You don't feel believed. And you may not be believed, but you may be believed if you get with the right people, right? So when you're in that culture of abuse, everyone turns an eye. No, no one believes anything's happening. But when when you find a safe circle, you will be believed. I believe you. You can say it to me. I believe you. Um, but I know how lonely and painful and difficult it is to hide all that pain and to try to keep it pushed down. But you know what happens when you keep pushing stuff down? Eventually, it bubbles up. And when it bubbles up, it sometimes erupts like a volcano. <laughs> At least it did with me. But I also, I want you to know how radically life can be different. How it is to be in the light and to let his light shine into all that darkness, all that mud and mire, all that shame, to let his light wash across that, just to be afresh in his light. Um, and to give him full access to your pain and to your story. Hmm. You don't have to walk alone. You don't have to take this journey alone. You can step into the light with Jesus. It is life changing. You can step into the light with Jesus. Yes. You don't have to go it alone. That is life changing. Michelle, thank you again for sharing that. I see also that you have a free resource that you that's available on your website, journeypink.com. Um, and you titled it, was it sexual? Was it really sexual abuse? 10 myths that take us that that, that make us doubt the reality. So tell us a little bit about it and why you created it and what our listeners and if this will be available for our listeners. Yes. Um, the reason I created it is because I know that sexual abuse is hard to talk about. People don't want to talk about it. No one wants to admit they've been sexually abused. And quite honestly, it's hard for people to hear about it and talk about it. But the biggest thing is that silence is what allows it to continue. That's what allows it to continue. We have to talk about it. And so I created this resource so that people could start having those conversations and to help people understand the dynamics of abuse. With everything, I know with everything that's been in the news recently, as a survivor, I've heard and read people say, yeah, but was that really sexual abuse? And they don't understand all the dynamics that that come with sexual abuse. And they question the stories of survivors. And that's painful. You never know. The person that you're saying that to may be a survivor. And you've just you know, confirmed for them that no one's going to believe them or will doubt them if they come forward. So it's really important how we approach someone when they tell their story or when they say that they've been abused. So even as a survivor... These were the lies that I believed to just push it down. Like, this is how I pushed it down. I blame myself, whatever it is. I 
this is these are the lies that helped me push it down. These are the myths. And so in order to find the truth, um, we had to bust the myths. And so that's what these top 10 are, especially number 10. It's a really big one for me. But these myths kept me quiet all those years and um, convinced me that no one would believe me. But I also pray that these myths will help other survivors find the courage and hope to find freedom in Jesus, and that those who haven't experienced sexual abuse will better understand the dynamics of abuse so that they can come along survivors and be a safe and compassionate resource to point them the hope and light of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Wow, that's, that resource sounds uh, really wonderful. Um, so there are 10 myths that you've, you've listed on that uh, resource and that you listed in the resource. And so this will help our listeners uh, to look at themselves and see if there's any of this applied to them. And whatever applies, they can find the truth to counter those and, and come out of the darkness into the light. So wow. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. So as we round up our time together, um, I want to ask you, how can people connect with you? You can find me at my website, which is journeypink.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and TikTok Mm -hmm. um, at journeypink. So if you look me up at journeypink, you'll find me there on Twitter. I'm at Michelle Viscues. Okay. So, uh, and we would have those links for you in the show notes. So, Michelle, I just wonder, I know this was a really hard topic uh, to talk about, but I'm thankful that you're you're uh, so far along in your journey that you're able to share the nuggets that you've learned and to encourage others who maybe are still back where you used to be and help them to have hope and to get out of, uh, to get into the light. And so again, thank you for uh, coming to the show today and sharing your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for letting me share and for being a safe and compassionate place. Thank you. Thank you. So friend, thank you again for being here today on Treasures and Truth with Talkback. I hope Michelle's story inspires you to tap into your own treasures in your trials. We'll have show notes at hiddentreasuresandriches.com. And let me ask you a favor. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and also leave a rating and review to help the podcast get noticed. So thank you again. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Lastly, I want you to remember this. God has answers. Whether you have relationship issues at home, at work, or any other crisis or challenges, God has answers. So until then, we'll see you next time. God bless you. And remember, God loves you.